0: Well, good morning, church. How you feel? Feeling good? I feel good. It's been a great weekend. We had a great week. Uh, Welcome to church, everybody. If you're here, if you're watching online or any other campuses, it has been a tremendous honor to be here last weekend and this weekend, and this will be my last service for this time. I'm about to fly home this afternoon, and uh, I just want to give my my deepest thanks and gratitude to you as a church and to your pastors and leaders for allowing us to be here. We've loved every second of it, and uh, we feel like we've been adopted, and we'll be praying for you, and we have been praying for your state and your country in every service back home in Sweden. We're almost done. We got a couple of services left in Sweden, the, the evening services, but we've been praying um, for what's been going on the last 24 hours here in America and believing that somehow God will turn it around for good. And, um, you know, um, all it takes for evil to prevail is for good people to do nothing. And the darker, uh, uh, the, darker the darkness is, the brighter the light can shine. And we're going to believe that God will, out of these ashes, turn it into beauty somehow and uh, see his kingdom come and uh, see uh, him uh, turning this into a glorious situation somehow, but we believe in for you, we're praying for you. Uh, I am speaking in El Paso every year, I'll be there in a month, and uh, so uh, we feel with you, and we pray with you, and we love you, and uh, we consider us family now, so we stand together with you. I don't know if you ever uh, felt stuck in life, ever felt that like you're in a situation that you can't move forward from. Uh, I fly a lot, um, and uh, uh, when I'm in airplanes, uh, I know I'm a bad pastor, but I don't like to witness. Um, I don't like to share my faith. Sometimes I pray to God. I say, God, please don't make me witness. I know it's bad. I shouldn't say that as pastor. You know, I get paid to do that, but... uh, you know, like that's the one place in life where you feel like, I feel like it's my own space. I don't have my dogs. I don't have my kids. I don't have, well, I wish I had my wife sometimes, but, but, you know, I couldn't say that. But, uh, you know, you're by yourself and there's a little space and you feel like, man, I can just relax. One time I was getting on a flight and, uh, man, I was so tired. i been preaching all weekend. I was on the flight. I was going to fly back home, early morning flight. I went on the airplane, had my hoodie up, put my big headphones on. That's like a sign, please don't talk to me. I mean, I tried to show it every way I could, you know, like hoodie up, headphones on, walking like this. And uh, next thing, you know, if I were just trying to tell it more, it would be holding up a sign, don't talk to me. You know, I didn't do that. So I get on the plane and I got a window seat. So I got to try to pass this lady... And, uh, you know, she's got all this stuff, and she's talking to the other guy in the aisle seat, and I'm thinking, oh, God, please don't let her talk to me. And uh, I'm sitting in my, aisle, in my window seat, and I got my hood up, I got my earphones on, and I'm kind of pretending I'm sleeping, and I'm thinking, please don't let her talk to me. It's a long flight. It's like a 10- or 12-hour long flight, and I'm pretending to sleep, and she goes, <laughs> i like, what? And I didn't say what. I said, yes. Yes. And she goes, so what do you do? (laughs) Trying to sleep? (laughs) No, I mean, what do you do for a living? And I know if I say I'm a pastor, that's going to be a good thing or it's going to be a bad thing. Either way, it's going to be a long flight. But I can't lie. At least I'm a Christian, you know. I'm a bad pastor on Monday mornings, but I'm still a Christian. So I say, I'm a pastor. She goes, I don't like pastors all right, It'll be a long flight. She goes, you don't look like a pastor. I said, I said, is that a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> she wasn't sure. Uh, and, uh, anyway, so we take off. I put my hoodie up again, put my headphones on. I said, ma'am, I'm going to try to get some sleep. And she goes, okay. I'm thinking, man, I'm off the hook and I'm falling asleep. And all of a sudden she's shaking me. And I said, what? And she says, do something. What do you mean do something? Well, it's a lot of turbulence. Yeah, we're in an airplane. And she goes, do something. It's like, what do you want me to do? I'm a pastor, not a pilot. I can't do nothing. It's gonna pass, it's all right. You know, thinking if I had some water, I'd throw it on her or something, whatever, you know. Like, but <clears throat> Sorry. And um, she got do something religious. Oh, now you want me to do something religious. You didn't like pastors, but all right. It's like, what do you mean do something religious? She goes, I don't know, just do something religious. So I stood up and took an offering. It was great. (laughs) No, I'm joking. (laughs) I did it, but you should have. (laughs) And uh, you haven't been in a place where you feel like you're so stuck that you don't know how to get out of it. There's a story in the Bible that I love in John chapter five. It's actually my favorite passage in the Bible. I think out of all the stories about Jesus in the Gospels, this is the one I've preached the most because I'm so fascinated by it. And in John chapter five, verse one, there's a man who is lame. He can't walk. And he's lame by a pool called Bethesda. And uh, he's been laying there for 38 years on his mat. And if we read from John chapter five, verse one, it goes like this. After this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew, Bethesda, having five porches. It's true. I've been there in the, in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first, After the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had been in infirmity 38 years. He's had an infirmity for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he's already been in that condition a long time. He said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one. I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, "Rise up, take your bed, and walk." And immediately the man was made well took up his bed and walked. I love this story because I don't know how it works in your head, but in my head, I'm seeing movies, pictures, action movies. You know, and I see this pool, and the way uh, when you study it, uh, the, the the story has it that once a year, the pool one time every year, the pool. Uh, started to swirl and started to move, the water started to move and whoever got into the water first got healed. Now that's great, unless you're lame. Your odds are not that good. He's like, I've been trying, but every time I'm coming, someone else passes me. Of course they are, you're lame, you're not going anywhere. It was like, this is my year, I I feel it, I believe it, I've been listening to Tony Robbins, I know I'm gonna do it, this is my year. And then someone with a migraine just rushes by you, and dives into the pool. And you go, oh man, not again. Next year, man, i have been watching Oprah, Oprah every day. This year, I'm 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 pumped. I can do it. I believe it. I believe in myself. I believe in the stars and the flies and the moon and everything. I might I might get healed, and then someone with a with a half broken elbow comes and jump in, and you're like, you lame, you try. No, not this year. So one day Jesus walks up to him and he asks him, Do you want to? You want to be well? You want to be healed? And the man is so stuck in his. 38-year journey of trying to get into the pool, and he's not even listening to what Jesus is saying. He started explaining to Jesus why he can't be healed, because the obstacles for him to be healed is too great. He's discovered over 38 years that this is the condition that he's in, The Bible used the word condition because it explains more than his lameness. He's not only lame, he's now in a condition where he's determined to himself that this is what I have to live with. This is what I have to accept and embrace. This is now going to be my life. So he's no longer just lame. He's now also submitted himself to a life where he will never be able to walk. Where his identity has shifted from someone who could be healed to someone who will never be healed, and he's embraced it as his whole identity. But if we read these verses, just two of them, in the old, you know, in the King James version, the one that Paul was reading out of, you need to go to Vacation Bible School next year. Come on, somebody. <laughs> the old one, man. The, the for one who speaks. Uh, English as a third language, King James Version is not an easy translation, but I love this passage in John chapter five, verse six, when it says, when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he said unto him, wilt thou be made whole? And verse nine, he goes, and immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. Jesus always find a way to mess up the order of the days and heal somebody on the wrong day. But I love that King James Version uses the word whole because whole is different than healed. Healed talks about the legs that couldn't walk. Whole talks about his whole life, his identity, and the situation and the, the status of him as a human being. See, when Jesus comes into our lives, he's not only interested in answering our prayers, He's always looking to restore us into our original identity, into the way he created and destined us to live. He's always looking to restore so much more in our lives than the issue that we're trying to get well from. He will heal us for sure. But he would also speak into the consequences of living with something for a long time that we've tried to get over. It doesn't have to be a sickness. It can be a state of mind. It can be a relationship. It can be different things. Jesus is always looking to make us whole. Because wholeness is a different thing than just being healed. You can be healed and keep running from God. But if you allow God to make you whole, that will turn you into a follower of Christ. You know you can have your answers prayed and get a race at your job and get your miracle. That does not mean that your self worth is being restored to what it should be. See, God is always looking for a way to make us whole. And sometimes we we are like this man who is paralyzed. God Himself sends His only begotten Son into this world, and He has three years to perform His miracles here on Earth. And He's in a busy schedule. He's he doesn't have a lot of time, but still He has time to stay stand in front of this man and give him air all his attention and ask him do you want to be made whole but this man is so stuck in his condition he's so stuck in his mind he's so stuck in the way he thinks he's so stuck in his preconceived ideas he's so stuck in his self pity and in the way that he lost before it even happens every year that instead of saying yes i want to be made whole yes i want to i want you to Do your Messiah thing. He starts arguing with Jesus why he can't be whole. He says, Jesus said, do you want me to make you whole? He says, I can't. I won't, but I can't. I want it, but it's not going to happen because I don't have anyone helping me in the pool. I was trying to ask somebody last year to help me in the pool. They just jumped in themselves. So I can't be healed. See, I find a lot of times we're trying to tell God why he can't do what he does in our lives. A lot of times we're trying to tell God why he can't do in our lives what he's doing in other people's lives. Maybe you come to church and you hear testimonies and you hear people you know, you hear people telling their story and their testimony and what God has done and, 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 you, and you hear about it and you go, oh, that's great for them. That's never gonna happen for me because my condition is so different. My situation is so different. Oh, that could happen for so-and-so, but that will never happen for me. And we're trying to tell God why he can't do what he does, why he can't work his miracle power in our life, because our circumstances are so different than anybody else. And the way we decided that the miracle is going to come, we can't see that happen anymore. So we now negotiate, negotiate ourselves into a place where we shut the doors for miracles in our life not because God doesn't want to do it, not because he can't do it, not because he's not trying to do it, because we, we're still talking about the water when God is talking about walking, when God is talking about freedom. See, if you're lame in this period of time, in this context, in this culture, you were doomed to a life as a beggar, to a life as an outcast. See, being a cripple at this point in time doesn't only mean that you can't walk, it means that you're an outcast of society. That's your identity. That's your worth. So this man, he had more problem than not walking. Now, the not being able to walk was the root issue, but it has now stacked so many other things on his life, who he was, who he saw himself, how he saw himself, the lenses that he watched life through, you know, like we do, where we grew up, where we come from, opportunities we had that we didn't have, everything that we allowed to frame our lives. So when Jesus is standing in front of him, asking him, do you want to walk? Sorry, do you want to be made whole? He's like, why do you even ask me that? Let's talk about the fact that I can't get in the water. You ever find yourself arguing with God? I wonder how it is to be God. I mean, I got two daughters. I'm trying. They're 13, heading on 17, and and one is 13, one is 11. Man, I, and I got a wife. Man, I am so outnumbered. I got a couple of male dogs just to balance it out a little bit. (laughs) Got a little one, his name's Spike. He lost an eye. Try to fight our wolf dog. That was not an even match. <laughs> he lost an eye. He got one eye now. Spike. He's awesome. He's a smaller dog. He got a couple of bigger hunting dogs, and and uh, just to balance it out. But you know, with my girls, and man, man it's a lot of times, you know, like you just, you 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 you're trying, but you feel like it, 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 I cannot, I cannot reach you. I cannot communicate. I cannot tell you. Doesn't matter how I say it, you won't hear me. And I feel a lot of times that's got to be what God. How God looks at us when he's trying to tell us. And I'm trying to tell him, my girls, if you do this, the fruit of it will be this. You clean your room, you get some money every week. Not much, but a little bit. Now, I don't want to clean my room, but I want the money. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Or I want my money because I'm cute. Yeah, that you try that on your boyfriend when you're 35. Possibly 34 if we go easy on him. <laughs> see, God He's trying to bring this stuff into our life and we're just fighting him. I want to be well. I just, don't want it. I just want it to happen my way. And my way, I can't see it happen anymore, so I'm now shutting the door for God to do miracles in my life. See, what's interesting with this passage is Jesus steps into his world, but he's so stuck in his head that he doesn't realize that Jesus, not only can he heal him, but it's healing and freedom, himself talking to him. And he's trying to tell healing why healing can't heal him. And we do that sometimes. He's lame. But see, Jesus doesn't ask him if he wants to walk. Jesus asks him, do you want to be made whole? Jesus is about to restore him out of poverty, out of beggar, out of being a beggar, out of being an outcast. Jesus is about to perform a 360 miracle in his life, but he's just trying, he's so stuck on walking. Maybe if you allowed God to touch some other areas of your life, than where you've been praying for a miracle that would unlock the miracle power and work itself out in other areas of your life. Maybe the areas that we won't give to God, that God say, please give it to me so I can, so I can give you a complete miracle, so I can rest- do a complete restoration. And what you've been longing for will be a part of that package, but you gotta, you gotta give me everything. You gotta trust me. You gotta, you gotta give it all. And don't be like the man who's so stuck on, on not being able to get into the water. He is trying. He's trying to bring God down to his own limitation. Jesus says, Do you want to be met whole? And he's trying to explain to Jesus why that is not possible. And I find that in my life so often. God gives me a vision or God gives me a, a desire in my heart to do something, plant a campus, or, or, or do an outreach, or starting summit camp. We started a summit camp, we just a bunch of kids. We, had, we didn't have a lot of youth in, 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 in our church and I think the number now is up to uh, starting tomorrow, something like 1300 uh, young people at our summer camp. But when we started and we believed for it, I had so many reasons why it wouldn't work. And there's so many areas in my life where I, I feel like God is tugging me and, and drawing me and, and wanting me. But I have so many logical reasons why it can't happen. And I hide behind them And I'm trying to tell God, God, stop talking about all this. Don't you see this little thing here? Don't you see my obstacles? Don't you see my insecurities? Don't you see everything I got to overcome to do that? It's like, that's the problem to God, to help me overcome some things, to bring me into his purpose and his destiny and his promise. No, that's not a problem. The problem is when I try to bring God down to my limitations, instead of allowing him to lift me out of my limitations into his possibilities, because from his point of view, everything is possible. Everything is possible. So last week I had some points. I didn't get to them, so I'm committed to give you some points, you know? Everybody says a good preacher had points. I got three. I'm gonna try and get through them. But I've just been about this uh, passage of scriptures, I've been thinking about how easy we bring God down to our limitations. You know, I meet people in our church, and I say, Andreas. I love to do that, but see, I can't because I've been divorced. Oh, yeah, I, you know, I'm, I, I got to do this, but you see, I want to do this, but see, I'm an ex-convict, or I'm an ex-business owner, and I, and I tell our church, I don't ever, ever, ever want to hear anybody use the word ex in our church. I will come, and I will whoop you, because in God's house, there is no exes. You know, God doesn't treat us according to our past. He treats us according to the potential and the promise that he created us for. Psalm 139 say that we are wonderful knitted together that He, when we were formed in our mother's womb he breathed destiny into our life and purpose and vision and even if we've had some challenges and taken some detours that does not define who we are but if we allow to our, our setbacks in life to start to define and, and shape our identity we will approach God out of a wrong identity and we will never be able to Connect with him fully if we don't understand. I am not who where I come from, I am not what I've been through. That's not who I am, that's where I've been. That's where I may be fallen, that's where I maybe get when it got it wrong or where I got hurt or whatever happened. It doesn't matter, but that's not who I am. So, when we bring God down to our limitations, we limit God to do in our lives what He wants to do. So, no matter where you come from, you're not an ex anything, you're a child of God, you're a daughter of God, a son of God, you're beloved. He, you were worth giving his life for. He loved you before you ever, even knew him. He, 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 we, we sing a song, I don't know if we sang it this weekend, but I love you. Love it. One of the song, worship songs says, you love me as you found me. I just love that. You love me as you found me. And then he goes on and said, your love's too good to leave me here. See, the problem is that if his love is too good to leave us here, it also means that we gotta follow him and leave where we came from. And embrace this new life. So I wrote down three things. About what it means to living. And becoming whole. And allowing God to make us whole. Because Jesus asked this man. Do you want to be made whole? And it's a great question. Because it comes with responsibilities. He was healed when he decided, Jesus to, make, decided to let Jesus make him whole. Being whole is a heart issue. It's not a body issue. Being healed might be a physical issue or emotional issue by being made whole is a hard issue. It's a surrender issue in trusting God. And I believe that you can be made whole even though you're waiting for your miracle, even though you're waiting for your healing. I got areas in my life where I'm just believing for a healing. You know, I'm going back home and I'm having back surgery in August. I got to replace two on my discs, but I've been believing for healing and I've been believing for a miracle, but that doesn't mean I can't live in wholeness. My back is all bent out of shape. My back is hurting, but my heart is whole. I live in wholeness. I believe he's going to heal me. He's going to do it through a miracle or through a doctor. I don't care, just get this pain out of my back. But that does not define my life because I can still be whole on the inside. I got stuff in my life. I got stuff that I carry with me from my past that I've been through, that sometimes I got to deal with. And I ask God, God, heal me. But it doesn't mean that I can't be whole. I didn't grow up in a home where I ever saw a healthy marriage, a healthy you know, home where I I could see parents who, who, who loved each other out of way and displayed a healthy marriage. That does not mean that I can't have a whole marriage if I allow God to come into my life and change my heart and submit myself to his will and his leadership and to my wife. I can still be whole even though I still need some healings from some of the stuff that happened when I grew up. See, you can be Whole and wait for your healing. But here's the deal. You can't live in healing if you won't allow him to make you whole. Living made whole means accepting responsibility. Let me give you three thoughts about the responsibility of being made whole. Number one, you got to accept the responsibility of embracing the miracle. You got to embrace it. See, this man, he's about to lose it because he's trying to argue with Jesus instead of embracing the miracle. So much of what God does in our life, it doesn't make sense. Sometimes we don't even understand it. Our job is not to understand it. Our job is not to, to figure it out. Our job is to embrace it and trust God with everything that we don't understand. And, you know, I love, uh, I love the fact that Paul and Silas, they didn't let excuses keep them from being or living in wholeness. Paul and Silas, I love him. I don't have a lot of time to talk about him, but I, I got to tell you a little story about Paul and Silas. I was in Philippi not too long ago uh, in, in Greece, uh, just uh, as they were excavating now, um, I think it's Acts chapter 16 or 17, when Paul and Silas went to prison. And uh, they done no wrong. They came there, they met a businesswoman named Lydia and they had a a, 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 a witch, a, a lady following them who was, toward, who was just bothering them and they set her free and whoever made money on her um, got angry and took him to court. And they decided to take Paul and Silas and throw him in jail. But before they did, they would, they whipped their backs so bad. And the way they did it, we looked at the jailer's house and it's incredible what this jail was because the jailer lived on top. And when you look at the excavation, um, excavation, excavation is hard word, the digging where they dig out all the old stuff. And, uh, when you look at it, half the house and half the prison cells are missing and it's totally, uh, it's totally weird. It shouldn't happen like that. It doesn't look like it should, it, it, somehow it's miraculously, miraculously missing. We know it because we read the Bible and said that, that they were worshiping and the wolves came down, so we can understand that. But what happened with Paul and Silas is they're doing all these good things. They're trying to serve God. They're trying to do the right thing. They're trying to, trying to be what God has called them to be. And, and the, the thanks they get is that they get whipped so bad that their backs would have been one big open wound. And then they took him to the prison cell. And the prison cell is at ground level where the the dirt meets the water. So it was not a tile floor in the prison. It was just mud. And what they would do is they would take them and put them on their backs in the mud. And they 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 will tie their legs to a big log of wood. And the tension of the stretching would sometimes be so bad that they would break, prisoners would break a leg or a knee or a hip they will do the same uh, and chain their arms and the tension would be so strong that people would sometimes break in shoulder or elbow or, 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 or somewhere on the, on the arm. And here they are laying, whipped on their backs in the mud, maybe with a broken bone, maybe with a broken shoulder or dislocated shoulder. Man, all it takes for me to, to want to stop serving God is a delayed flight. I'm a wimp compared to Paul and they're laying there for serving God. Some of you guys, oh, it's raining, I don't think I'm gonna go to church. Not you guys, 9.30 service, you guys are the real ones. <laughs> oh, <it's> so hot. <laughs> well, come to Sweden, we're gonna have winter for six months. It's not too hot, it's never too hot, It's too cold. Paul and Silas, they're in prison. I would've given up right about there and said, God, where are you? Please someone give me a book on how to find God. Paul goes, hey, Silas, how you feeling? Whew, I feel a bit whipped, <laughs> stretched. I think I broke my bone. My knee's pointing in a weird direction. <laughs> and Paul goes, yeah, man, don't you love serving the Lord? And Silas goes, yeah, I guess. And Paul goes, I-, I don't know what it is. I just can't stop thinking of this song. I got this song in my head. You want to sing, Silas? Saz so goes, not really. My back hurts. Saz so goes, can we sing this song? Nobody knows that. And Paul goes, no, no, no. We got to do, do a better song. We got to do a worship song. We got to sing something powerful. And they started singing because even though they're in prison, even though they're in chains, even though they've been whipped, it's not what their heart is. Their bones are broken, but they still live in wholeness. Their backs are open wounds, whipped open but it didn't determine the state of their heart or the state of their spirit because healing and wholeness is not always two of the same things. We cannot always decide whether we get healed or not or why stuff happened in our life, but we always have a choice to embrace wholeness in our life and allow God. So they're starting to worship God. Man, they're singing every song they know. I don't know, Because He Lives, Amazing Grace, some Abba song, I don't know. But what happens is when they start singing, the walls come down. And the wholeness and the freedom that they had on the inside now starts to work itself out and setting them free on the outside because wholeness will always find a way to set you free. But they didn't hide behind the chains. They didn't hide behind the the logs. They didn't hide behind the whipping. They kept trusting God that he has started a good work in them is faithful and just and will complete it in their lives. So you got to embrace the miracle. You have no reason to lay by the pool now that you're healed. you got to step up and embrace it. The second thing is to not feeling sorry for yourself because you've been on a mattress. The Bible says that the man was stuck in that condition. He was in that condition. Maybe something happened in your life and it turned from a thing into a condition. You know you don't need to live in your condition. You can live in your position your condition might be that you're broken or you're hurt or you're going through hell. I don't know, but your position is that you're an overcomer. You're a child of God. You're you loved by him. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You can make a decision to not live in your condition, but to live in your position because you have a God that is for you. And the Bible says the same spirit who raised Christ from the dead lives on the inside of you. So my condition can be that I'm going through it right now, but my position is that I know who is with me I know who is for me I know who's going to give me the strength to go through it and that is decision a decision that we can make and right now wherever you find yourself don't allow your condition to determine who you are allow the position to determine who you are you're loved you're valued he's with you he's for you he's faithful he's just He's a good God, even on the rainy days. So don't hide behind your condition. You know, so long, for so long, when I was starting to preach, I felt so inadequate. Man, I felt so, I felt like I didn't measure up. Felt like I was, I couldn't, couldn't preach. I'm still working on it. And I would see friends of mine, like Pastor Judah Smith, what an awesome man of God. Heard him say once, I think he's a seventh generation preacher. I was like, man, when I grew up, we, I worked at a farm. They were breeding horses, trying to get these race horses, you know, like a little bit of this, a little bit of this, create this perfect horse. Like I was like, Judah, you're like a thoroughbred preacher. You're like, they worked on you for generations. You were born for this. My dad was an alcoholic. I didn't have that. And for so long, I allowed that to be an excuse in my life that I was hiding by. Oh, I didn't come from someone. My dad didn't teach me how to preach. I didn't have anybody to look up to. I didn't have anybody who called it out of me, who saw the greatness of me. I had people who only saw the best, and I would hide behind them. One day I felt like God was challenging me. I said, who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Who's your father? Who made you? Who created you? Quit hiding behind your excuses. Quit hiding behind not living up to the greatness that the Creator put inside of me when He created me. And the same goes for you. You can't stay on that mattress and still want to live the life that He has for you. you got to let go of the excuses. Oh, I know they're real. I know there might be stuff that you went through. But it's going to come a time, and sorry, I want to be honest with you because I love you. It. It's going to be a time where you're going to have to choose the mattress or the healing. The condition that you can excuse everything in your life for, or a first step of faith, maybe even into an unknown future that will lead you to freedom. But it'll come a point where we got to get off that mattress and stop laying around the pool and embrace what he's trying to do in our lives and not hide behind it. You can't have a comeback if your mind is stuck in your setback. Thirdly, and last, I got through my points, man. I'm proud of myself. That doesn't happen often, but you're worth. Third thing that I was thinking about, about the responsibility of being made whole is that you got to do something to put your miracle in motion. You know, I've been thinking so much about this passage. Why does Jesus ask him to pick up his mat? I I got two daughters. I said, uh, they're heading into teenage years. Sometimes I walk into the room and I'm thinking, man, I need a hazmat suit. This, this is no. Things can't live in here. And then you put their bed sheath, uh, open their bed sheets, and you go like, man, there, there's got to be animals here that I'm supposed to feed. what, what is growing here? And they only had those sheets like three days. Like, how can they get these dirty? And I go, babe, how can you sleep in this? Go clean your bed. That's not dirty. That's fine. That's good. I just wanna lay here watch a movie. It's like, get up, clean your bed. But that's like three days. This man has been on a mat for thirty-eight years. Couldn't shower. I don't know what kind of fleas was in there. I don't know how he went to the bathroom. Thirty-eight years in the dust, in the dirt. Thirty-eight years. Why does Jesus ask him to pick up that mat? Don't you burn it, leave it, drown it, do something? Jesus asked him to pick up that mat and carry that mat. And I was thinking about it. And I was praying over it one day. And I felt like God told me, you can't live in authority over something that you're not willing to pick up. See, that mat had been in authority over him for 38 years. I believe Jesus wanted to show him that he could live in authority over the very thing that held him back all those years. He didn't need that mat, but he's walking out of there carrying that very thing, dominating that very thing in authority over that very thing that has kept him a prisoner to the ground for 38 years. He had to do something to put his miracle in motion. That's all Jesus asked him to do. Roll up that mat and pick it up. Do something to put your miracle in motion. Some of you guys, you just need to go home and roll up your mat. Whether it's the way you've been thinking or your emotions or relationships or whatever it is. Why don't we decide to pick up our maths and stop living on them anymore and believe that he is everything we need to live the life that he's created for us. There's nothing on this earth that can hold us back If God says that he is who he is, then there's nothing that he can't break in our life. There's nothing he can't restore in our life. But we can't have the mat and the miracle at the same time. We got to decide, is the mat going to have dominion over me? Or am I going to be in authority over the very thing that held me back for so long? Come on, church. I pray that you will find the strength and the courage to get a hold of the freedom that God has for you. He loves you so much. He is for you. Come on, let's pray together. Why don't we all stand at our feet? God, I thank you so much that in this room, there is a spirit of freedom right now. And God, I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice in this room, online, at all other campuses. God, I pray that you will give them the freedom they've been longing for. And God, I pray that you will give them the courage to step off their mat the courage to break up with everything that they have submitted to god i pray that they will stop living in their condition and start start living in the position that you died so they would have god i speak freedom i speak healing i speak deliverance i speak a new day god i pray that you will restore what's been lost that what the enemy meant for evil you will turn around for good and you will let it come back in a blessing a hundred times over. From the very second we decide to step out of our circumstances and step into our promise. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Come on, can we give the Lord a big clap? Amen. Hey, hey church. Thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.